in 99 years, we would have $17,162,934. Wow. From so, 100 bucks a month. That's right. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. I don't want to ruin anyone's budget out there. Far be it from me to ruin your budget. But I have been experimenting with some really fancy soaps, like the cleaner soaps and other yeah, yeah. other brands. And man, I, I always thought I was happy with my my 15 cent bar of dial until there's a whole world out there, Stephen, and it really changes the morning routine to to come out of the shower smelling like gun smoke and you know fancy cedar wood and all these sorts of things oh yeah yeah so so i did that i did the gym and then i did that and then i uh i had to try on a a suit because i am going to be giving a speech tonight oh yeah do do tell well uh, there's not a whole lot to it i'm just going to tell the story of how I uh, asked the Lord to bring a, a new leader to the school where my kids attend, where I'm on the school board. And right. uh, there's kind of a, a cool story of the Holy Spirit working that out. And so I'm going to tell it to an audience tonight and then have this guy come and do some some speaking. And hopefully, hopefully there will be some p- folks out there that have been running their home and dough like a biblical boss, and they'll give some of their dough to the school. Uh-huh. Uh, but more interesting than that is the last time I put this suit on, I was about 20 pounds lighter. Oh, really? So it's, uh, it has a more, I guess, stylish fit. I would say at this mm-hmm. point, um, you could call it that you could call it a tighter fit. Uh, and I think at American Eagle, they'd call it an athletic fit at this point. Okay, It's this, it's the skinny jeans of suits. It's more the skinny butt of suits. Oh. It's not the, the the ankles aren't the problem. Okay. But yeah. Um, so wish me luck as I attend a dinner in a suit that is too small. <laughs> well, you know, just be wary of uh, of bending over. Um, you know, you could rip the seat of that thing. That's a good point. I will... I'll be hiking the pants before doing any high-risk activities like sitting. Yes. If you don't know uh, Mark's past in, uh, in, in weights and cycling and his endeavors, uh, he, can, he, can, he can grow a mean uh, thigh. He can, grow, he can grow a mean buttock. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I have been drawn towards sports that reward uh, <laughs> mass located between the knee and the belt line. <laughs> yes indeed okay so uh yeah you got a little speech coming tonight all right yeah. and you're gonna be smelling good when you do it is what that's you're saying. true the last time i put this suit on was when i was actually dancing and you know who i was dancing i don't know if you could say dancing with but dancing directly next to i'll, I'll give you one guess is it, is it a member of the utah jazz it was Yes, it was Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> that was the last uh, last time I wore my suit. Uh, he, he was a fun uh, NBA contributor. For sure. One of the great shooters of all time. Yeah. Under, underrated at the one thing he did so well. And I, but, I remember reading, uh, I believe, a Sports Illustrated or maybe ESPN, the magazine. Does that still exist? Yeah. It was an article about how these strange these strange links that Corver goes to 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 train in the offseason. I read that, and it was pictures of him carrying rocks underwater in the ocean and stuff. That's it. Yeah, I, I read that article. Okay, it's the first image I have of every time I think of him is him like with a big boulder underwater. <laughs> sure, sure. But we're not here to talk about underwater rock carrying today. No. We're here to talk about the critical skills of money. 
the skills, oh, the critical skills of money, right? The skills that our listeners need to have mastered if they want to uh, really run their home and their dough like a biblical boss. I think at this stage of the game, this is episode number three of seven. That sounds right. I, I think at this stage of the game, the series has reached a maturity level where it, it might merit its own fanfare. I think I think there might be a musical theme that we could insert as we announce it each time. What kind of... And this is just a chance for the listener to to pop into the creative process in a way that maybe they don't normally get to. But what kind of music do you think, obviously, maybe they've already found out at this point, maybe you played it before we said this, but but just imagine, listener, the, that we're recording this before we've made that decision. Stephen, what kind of music do you think goes with the critical skills of money? This is a great question. And... Um... I'll I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll in I'll I'll intentionally hold off on that fanfare until after we discuss it. So where I'm sitting right now, having I just said that thought out loud, having put zero thought toward it, is that because it's going to be it's it's like an instruction, it's a class, so so to speak, that we want people to sit through. I'm thinking something a little formal because of the education things, something that feels like a a modern version of 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 a, a graduation kind of a ceremony. Maybe there'll be some strings in there, but but mm-hmm. maybe there'll be a, a beat in there. Something that feels uh, maybe a little electronica with some strings oh. or something. Okay, I thought I thought you were thinking like a timpani drum, like almost a masterpiece theater intro, but a little bit peppier than that. You're saying, yeah, a, a little bit peppier. Okay, well, yeah. Now that we've talked about it, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present to you yeah. the intro music to Critical Skills of Money. Here it is. And it's it's time we presented this to the world. Enjoy this, everybody. Every time that we uh, enter and exit the, the topic, when we're actually in, when you're in school and it's pencils up, everybody, this will be the music that we're here, and then we'll hear it as we as we exit every week. Yeah, I don't know if people will be able to learn without this music now that we've introduced it. But well, now it's going to have a Pavlovian response. They're going to, oh, learning is about to happen. And they're going to get so excited. Right. It was great, Stephen. Thank you for producing um, that that piece that you it's just It's no problem. Asked. It's my pleasure. If it's for the people, I'll do it for the people. Now, what are we, t- what are we talking about? The next critical skill that we are covering is the skill of multiplication, right? So yes, week one, we covered acquisition. You can't manage money well if you don't have any. So you got to get some. Indicate uh, the link. Ind- indicate where the link is. If you need to if you need to see that episode, it's right here. This Bingo. is the first time I've ever done this. Yep. It's right here. Okay. Yep. Uh, for the listener at home, I just held my hands up and kind of <laughs> framed something that hopefully an editor will put a link in. Yeah, but, right. Um. We covered acquisition. The next week, we followed with oversight. And oversight, you'll notice, is actually located over over here. No, you can't change the location. It's still on the yeah, okay. it's still on that side. Um, but um, once you've acquired some money, you need to kn- know the condition of your flocks. That was Proverbs twenty seven twenty three, and we talked about how to keep an eye on what you've got and keep close watch over it. Now, once you, and these go in order, right? So first you got some money, then you learned how to to keep an eye on it. And third, what if I want to make some more money? Mm. Um, And I'm going to start this this lesson by just saying, I think it might be one of the most under-discussed biblical commands regarding money. You know, it's not that we're supposed to give it away. That's not the... That's not the under-discussed command. I might say that's even an over-discussed command. Oh. The most under-discussed money command that we have from the Bible is that we are required to multiply it. I think that's excellent. I think we could even go so far as to say that that is such an under-discussed and undervalued uh, concept. We could say it was a major part of the genesis of Abraham's wallet is feeling the onus of proclaiming that news to everybody because 
we want to serve God's interests. And what God wants is a bunch of mature kids when they walk over the threshold from this life to the next life. He wants us to be mature and to have learned certain lessons. And this is one of the lessons. So if I may, I'm, ju I'm just going to create a little baseline for this concept in which we so strongly believe. You may. Now, you may be familiar with Genesis chapter 1. It says in verse 22, when man and woman were created, God's first words to them was a very specific command, and it was, be fruitful and multiply. So he was saying, I physically want you to make more of yourself. And what we're going to learn throughout the pages of the Bible is that he wants them to duplicate themselves in, guess what? Five capitals. He wants them to duplicate themselves spiritually, his children. He wants us to duplicate ourselves relationally. That, that is uh, relationships that are based upon his statutes and his commands. He wants us to duplicate the things that we know. He wants us to physically reproduce, as I said, and, and, and here we are for this lesson. He wants us to multiply, duplication, multiplication. He wants it to happen financially. Multiplication is so central to the whole message of God's story. He told him that in verse 22, and guess what he did? He repeated it six verses later to the same two people thinking they're probably not going to get this the first time. Let me repeat myself. So he did that. Then we have this sea change that happens with a guy named Noah. He's absolutely a hero of ours. And in chapter eight of Genesis, just seven chapters later, God repeats it. Noah repeats that command to his sons one chapter later. Guys, you got to be fruitful. You got to multiply. God gives this command to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, be fruitful, multiply. In chapter 35, he, when he changes Jacob's name to Israel, he gives him a command. Would you like to take a stab at what that command was to the newly named Israel? I'm going to guess it had to do with multiplication. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, when we hear all of these laws, all of these laws that are given to people, God says about all of these laws in Deuteronomy 8, why do I want you to follow these laws? Because I want you to multiply. And if you obey them, you will multiply. We've got to get that into our brains. Uh, I love people who love discipleship, the Dawson Trotman kind of people who like, I, I want to make disciples. Yes, make disciples. And what, what God's interested in when it comes to disciples is multiplication. I'll give you one verse, then I'll turn it back over to you. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, famous verse from, from Paul about uh, discipleship. He's talking to Timothy, his, his young protege, and Paul says, the things that, you know, I'm going to count it on my fingers, the things that you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, that's two generations, I want you to entrust those things to reliable men, that's going from Timothy to men, who will in turn be able to teach others. And now there's a there's one guy there, there's going to be multiplication, and then all of those guys are going to reach others. Paul had in his mind multiplication happening when he was in the disciple-making business. Everything that we touch, all capitals, God is interested in multiplication. So that should be a setup for where you're going. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with some some more Bible before we get all into right. this. But I feel like this is so uh, important that I'm gonna read a pretty long passage to you right now from oh, Matthew 25. Uh, this is Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Uh, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So he... Also, who had received the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. 
Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sheesh. And we could talk about a lot with this passage, but what I want to talk about is I grew up thinking this parable is about our giftings and our callings and not squandering the goodness of life that, that the Lord has given us. And I don't think right. there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with extrapolating what Jesus is teaching here to apply to a lot more than just money. However, I looked up the etymology of the word talent like the way we use it in the English language today. And it comes from a measure of weight or money. Really? So this is not a parable that's about talents the way we think of talents. It's a parable about investing money. Mm. And we we just heard all over the scriptures that the Lord is very interested in in multiplication. And he yes. wants he wants us to be multipliers of people with our flesh and bones we we are commanded to multiply that's why Make more invented, people that's why he invented marriage um and he wants us to be multipliers of disciples and he wants us to be multipliers of wealth and so um i want to cover a few things that i think are critical skills if you are going to to fulfill this command to multiply Excellent. wealth. Excellent. Um, that that parable, just to just to summarize what you just said, that parable might be about more than money, but it's not about less than money. That's it's right. Definitely about money. That's right. Um, we've talked a lot about compound interest here, uh, and you know, I'm not gonna. I'm. I am not going to, my goal in this is not to tell people they have to be amazing investors and they have to be able to get great percentage returns on their money or start start incredibly successful businesses. That's, that's not what, very important. That's not what the critical skills series is about. We're saying right. there's going to be people who their talent is investing. Now I'm using the English talent word. Um, right. Their unique skill is, yep. is investing money and managing assets. There's going to be other people who know very clearly that's not my skill. Uh, we'll get to it in a second, but what I want to avoid is having anybody who's listening to this, whether you're going to be the active person doing all the work of, of growing money, or you're going to just say, that's not my skill, so I'm going to bring in somebody else to do it. Um, that's fine, whichever path you go, but you do still have to have some of these skills regardless of the role you're going to play with with your wealth. So understanding compound interest, I would say, will be the, the foundational piece to almost all <laughs> multiplication when it comes to wealth and money. Well, uh, I wish you would talk us through it because I I would assume that a lot of people think they kind of get it when it comes to compound interest, but maybe 
they don't, if you'll let me use this word, they don't believe it. They don't trust it the way that you're thinking. So would you, why don't you start at the beginning and make sure that we're all on the same page? Yeah. Let's say you save $100 a month, Stephen. That's, okay. that's what you're able to save. And yep. I'm going to, I'm going to rewind the clock a bit for you and put you in the shoes of a, a nice Abrahamic uh, listener of ours, age 25. So let's say you're 25 years old. Yep. Um, and you can save a hundred bucks a month. That's all you I, can. At age 25, I would have been delighted to do that. Sure. And let's imagine that you can earn 7% returns on your investment. Um, how much do you think you'll have after a year? I'm assuming about uh, 1,240 bucks. Ding, ding, ding. You're right. That's exactly the answer. Is it? It is? Yeah. That's amazing. So after three years, give me, give me a a swag. Okay. Let's say 3750. It's a little more than that. It's $3,994. Okay. Nearly 4k. Yeah. So at that point, three years, we've been saving a hundred bucks a month. We've saved $3,600. That's how much we've put into an account. And it's grown by that extra $394. So yeah. we've gotten a little bit of interest and it's more you'll, you'll see than what we got in year one. We only got $40 of interest in year one. We saved 1200 and we got 40. Um, and it's not just three times that cause we've been doing it for three years. So now we're earning interest on our interest. And that's the key to compound interest. Right. That it starts, the, the snowball starts rolling and it gets bigger as it goes downhill. The interest becomes your principal. So after five years, we've, we've saved $7,160. After 10 years, we've saved $17,310. And it's in year, between year 10 and 11 that we actually notice uh, you're making more from interest every year than you're contributing to the account. That's uh, exciting. And so that's where it really starts getting exciting. Let's say you could do this for 20 years. Now you've got 52,096. What about 35 years? Now we have $180,000 in change. Wow. And if you could do this for 50 years until you're a 75 year old man, now you have $544,000 plus amazing um, what if you could think multi-generationally about money and oh i can't let's do it your time horizon was longer than you're probably going to live so after 50 years we had five hundred and forty thousand. yep in 99 years we would have seventeen million one hundred and sixty two thousand nine hundred and thirty four dollars wow from a so, hundred bucks a month that's right and that's why when we talk about multi-generational wealth on the Abraham's Wallet podcast, some people think, well, that's daunting to think, well, I'm building up all this money over time. I think it's a lot more daunting to say, well, I'm going to try to build up $17 million in the next 30 years. That's totally very hard to do. It's not very hard to build up that kind of wealth if you give yourself a long runway and think, well, I've got my life and my my children's life and their children's life. Great point. It's actually pretty easy if that's your time horizon. Um, so that that's kind of an illustration of how compound interest can can really start to impact over time. But maybe a, a better illustration, because I just want to put this into terms that people can think about in their own picture. Let's say you're able to save more than that. You could save 500 bucks a month. So that's a lot of money, but there's a lot of people that are 25 years old that have a job that could imagine saving 500 True. bucks a month. If they that's, don't overspend on housing and buy some stupid car. If they are doing those things, I invite them to go back to the previous week and visit our lesson on oversight, which will cover how to budget. Good point. But if you could save 500 bucks a month, and you could do that for just 10 years. So you're 25, you're going to save 500 bucks a month till you're 35. And you're going to get that same rate of return, about 7%, pretty conservative estimate for what you can get as a return. At the end of 10 years, you're going to have $86,500. Now, if you started doing that at age 25 and you stopped when you're 35 and you never saved another penny until you turned 67, Let's say that's when you were going to quote retire. Okay. 
your $86,000 would have grown to $807,000. That's amazing. Um, which would be enough actually to pr- pretty safely provide you about $35,000 worth of income in retirement. So, That's amazing. Um, probably not what we want to retire on, but when you think about maybe getting some social security and having a paid off house, you might actually be able to retire today on $35,000 yes, a year of investment income. Now, what if instead of doing that, you waited until you were 35 and uh-huh. you said, I'm going to still save 500 bucks a month, but I'm not going to start till I'm 35. And then I'm going to do it all the way to retirement for 30, all right. 32 years. All right. Same scenario when I'm 67 here, I only have 714,000 when I retire. So just 10 years early on provided about $100,000 more when I was 67 than if I started 10 years later, but saved for 32 years. Right. Uh, And I think that's what a lot of people miss when they're thinking about wealth is they think, well, retirement is, you know, people usually call a financial planner when they're in their 40s, maybe getting close to thinking about retirement. And that's all well and good. Uh, But the power of time is much, much bigger than the power of uh, even in in many cases of income and the the size of investments you can make. Um, Time in the market, they say, is, is one of the biggest components to how much wealth you end up with. Great point. And, and, and it kind of goes toward the thought that many people feel um, that whether it's saving for retirement or saving for to purchase a home or saving for their children's education, people tend to have uh, very overinflated ideas about how much matters. If I start with this much, that wouldn't really matter. So I'll just kind of thoughtlessly blow through life right now. And maybe when I get some more really kind of like amigo money, I can start kind of saving for a big thing as opposed to thinking, look, if you're 18 and you put 50 bucks aside a month, if you're just faithful in that, that time, it's the time is the magic. Yes. Just the time alone will start multiplying that money and saving a little early enough is not nothing. It's really valuable. That's right. And one of the biggest benefits of understanding this magic is that if you start early, you know, you can be quote done with retirement savings very early and it frees you up to do all sorts of other things. I talk to a lot of people who say, you know, I'm not going to invest in retirement accounts. I'm going to start a business and buy a house and we're pro all of those things. So I'm not speaking against it, but just speaking personally, one of the reasons I was able to start a business when I was 38 years old, 37 years old is because I had been extremely diligent to save early. And I got to a point about the time I was 33 or 34, where I said, I can never save another penny and all my needs will be taken care of in retirement. Right. Uh, So I no longer had to go find an employer who would give me a really good 401k plan. And there was some freedom created there that wouldn't have been there if I said, um, I, you know, I'm going to have to start a business and it better be a home run or I'm not sure what I'm going to do later. Right. Uh, Great point. So there's freedom. Um, and I, I would say that this, this also requires discipline. Um, it's easy. Let's say that you did what I said, you saved up until age 35 and you, you were, you were in the market, you had time working in your favor, but you had the opportunity to take an amazing European vacation. And when you turned 40 and you said, well, I could just, I've got a lot of money there. It's been growing. I could just kind of raid the, raid the stash. Sure. And it's probably not going to make a big impact, right? Um, that type of, of move kills compounding. Um, and I do my best when to, to kind of help clients that we're working with see what happens when they take out some. Yes. Um, but that I see that mistake a lot is people go, awesome. I, I was faithful for, for quite a while and I've built up a pile. So it's no problem if I just take some out. And that, that really does kill the benefits of 
money that grows and then grows faster and faster and faster if you start taking some out every month. So that's yes. where um, just because you were disciplined early on doesn't mean you get to be undisciplined later on. I, I mean, our, our boy Dave Ramsey loves to say, live like no one else now so you can live like, I think that's what he says, live like no one else later. So, <laughs> and I, always I don't know think, what he says. I always think, well, not exactly. Like diligence is something you're going to have uh, and execute over over time. It might look a little different when you're 15 right. than it does when you're 20. But so those are the two things I would say is understanding compound interest and then having the discipline to, to make it work in your favor. Um, you almost can't not multiply wealth if you if you nail that one. Along with the second one, which I know you're going to get to. Yeah. And before we move on past just compound interest, I was going to also mention uh, having a bias for action uh, when it comes to how to handle wealth. A lot of people, you know, when I go back to that Matthew 25 parable, the reason that I like it so much, at for my first reaction to the parable is going, the master was pretty rough on a guy who didn't lose his money. You know, like there's a lot of times that I've invested in both of us, Stephen. We've invested money and we've lost it. We Oh, we put, yeah. We put it in something and we thought we were going to be wise stewards and it all went away. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, in some cases we picked poor stewards for our money and <laughs> yes. they, they squandered it. Um, and that's why I say the, the critical skill, like I said, is not picking the investments that will get the best return. Um, with all of the critical skills we're, we're kind of talking through, there's definitely lots of room for how you move forward in them. So budgeting, you could be a budget nerd and do it all yourself, or you could pay a chunk of money to have somebody help you with budgeting every month. Sure. So that service exists. Um, and one isn't right or wrong, but the servants in, in Matthew 25, they certainly, I think, could have told the master when he came back, hey, I found a great steward and I employed him. And here's the here's what the result is. I've got 10 talents to, to show to you. I don't think the master would have gone, well, I really wanted you to do it. Right. Um, he was concerned with action and he was so upset with the one because what he did was out of fear, um, or all sorts of other motivations, he said, I would rather just make sure I don't lose. So in doing so, he ensured that he would lose in the eyes of the master and proved himself untrustworthy. Yeah. Well, I would say one of, if we could describe the root of his problem, it was that he simply didn't understand the master's expectations. And that's one of that's thing that's something that we hope we're doing for you right now is shining a light on the master's expectations, and I love what you say about a bias for action, because um, you notice for the guy that buried it, what he's saying is, um, I like it multiplied. I, I would be pleased at it being multiplied, but I would it would be satisfactory to me if it was just put to work somewhere. So let's say that you, you're just bad luck, Tom, and you, you've tried lots of forays with your money and they've all turned into losers. You never had a winner in the bunch and you, you know, you, you ended your life at zero, you know, you just scraped by. I, I don't think you're going to have to apologize when you stand before God and say like, Lord, it was all a failure. I don't think that he sees it that way. I think that he would say, look, you tried. You 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 put that money to work. You tried to do something with it. Those things failed. But what he, what he uh, uh, criticized the fearful guy for doing is just shoving it in a corner and going yes. like, I can't deal with it. I don't want to deal with the, the, the prospect of failure. So I'm just putting it, I'm just putting it away somewhere that the Lord will not tolerate. He won't let let us do that. And we talked, it was when we were doing uh, financial news and talking about inflation and how just putting your money in a checking account, you putting $25,000 sitting in a checking account, just letting it sit there, the money will waste away because of inflation. And, and we're supposed to go, look, even if it's just 
a safe um, interest bearing account, we should be doing something, something with this. And it doesn't have to, I know that you're, you're not saying this. It doesn't have to be in, in, in financial um, tools. You, you could be putting that money to work in real estate. You could be putting that money to work by investing in businesses. That's, that's all fine. It's the doing nothing. That's the problem. Right. And I don't think that the doing nothing always looks the same. So I was just going to give you, as somebody who talks to people who are considering Great. putting money to work, I hear the no-no stuff, the protests I hear from people as to why they are leaving money in a place where it will not multiply uh, are varied. Sometimes it's, I'm watching the news too much and I just, I am not comfortable with where this country's going and that can take all sorts of shapes. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's, I thought I knew what was going to happen in the economy. And so I was waiting for the, you know, I thought I was the unique butterfly who knows how to time the market and can beat the market uh, sure. by coming in and out just at the right times. Sure. If you've listened for more than three weeks, I hope you've heard us say you are not that butterfly. We love you. <laughs> we think you are unique and beautiful, but you are not going to beat the market by timing it. Um, yes. I hear people who it's just, I, you know, I just love the stability and, and the comfort I get from knowing that I have cash or that I have gold bars stitched into my drywall at home. Um, you know, not going to confirm or deny that that could be a real conversation I've had with, with clients. Yeah. Um, and I would say, um, all of those results in the same sin, which is, failure to put money to work and to, to uh, again the the man who has a bias for action would say okay i am going to take in the information i'm not going to completely ignore what's going on in the economy or the news but even if i'm uncomfortable with option a i'm going to find a way to multiply the master's uh, money that he has entrusted me with Aside from the fact that we've seen already that God's character is to multiply and he's charged us with the same mandate, why would we be supposed to multiply wealth um, to, you know, the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills and uh, he's not short on money. So why, why are we supposed to multiply wealth? Any, any hot takes on that one, Stephen? I mean, I don't want to step on you, but I'll give you an honest answer if you want one. Do it. It's not because the goal is a pile of money and this is the way to get there. It's because all of creation waits in eager expectation for the mature sons of God to be revealed. God is in the business of multiplying himself. That's what God is in the business of doing. And he tells us through the parable if you you could read the parable of the minas in Luke 19, it's it's very close to this parable of the talents in Matthew. Um, he says uh, that money is a tool that helps him to duplicate some of these skills, and we've talked about this many times. But it blows my mind that the reward for good responsibility with money is responsibility in the life to come, that we'll have responsibility in heaven. It actually says, I'll make you the ruler over cities in the life to come. I don't even know what that means. I have not seen the map of what the afterlife is like. I don't know what the cities are. Um, but he's trying to create skills in us so that he can multiply his character. And there's so many, this is what this podcast is all about. We the character qualities of denying yourself in a moment so that better good comes later, the character skills of being shrewd and knowing how to negotiate with people, the character skills in developing a family that all understands how money works. It's not because we love money. It's because we love what God does. And this is a tool that he's chosen to use. I'm going to use this tool of money. That's my long spirited answer to the question of why. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that the the purpose of wealth is ultimately to serve the kingdom. Um, but but what we might hear at the church building is that that means it's to buy more church buildings or ah. pay for groceries for missionaries. Nothing wrong with those things. I'm not saying <laughs> there's anything wrong with those things. But really, it's that. It, 
becoming shrewd managers of wealth is an excellent uh, it's an excellent piece of building strong families and then being entrusted with churches, which are networks of strong families, and then being entrusted, like you said, not only in the life to come, but now with strong cities and becoming city fathers. And we want to kind of march up that. There is a kingdom building principle that happens when we become shrewd managers of wealth. Excellent. So let's just, why don't we just all agree, if you're listening, why don't you just agree? You know, beliefs are funny things. We we tend to think that beliefs are things that kind of overtake us like a tidal wave. And then well, the, the amount of evidence I've received is so overwhelming, I just have to believe. But the truth is, you can choose what you believe. You can just decide to change your beliefs at any moment. So why don't we just all choose to believe? Why don't you just say internally, I'm going to be a multiplier, and I'm going to multiply everything that comes my way, and I'll do it for the glory of God. And God, make me good at this. And if you're afraid of wealth or you had a poverty thing or you think that um, wealth is is something to be ashamed of, et cetera, let's just decide today, I'm not going down that road. I'm going to be a multiplier. And then I'm going to learn how to be shrewd and wise with the wealth that comes from the multiplication. So let's just let's just put that uh, flag down and then move on. And before we go away from multiplication as a critical skill, I have to put a coda on on this episode. And great, it's gonna be it's gonna be a multi minute coda because this one's important. Yeah. You can you can be all for multiplication, and you can have a bias towards action. And even though we said maybe the master would be not condemning you if you squandered it, giving your best efforts, I want to give you one more kind of sub-skill that's in this general area that I think will help you not squander whatever wealth that the Lord entrusts you with. And that is, if you can understand the concept of risk, you can multiply without fear that I'm going to to put it all on the wrong racehorse and, and yes. find it disappeared the next day. Um, Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, Stephen, it's one of your favorites. It says, it cast, is. cast your bread upon the waters for after many days, you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes, to eight, for you do not know what disaster may to, come upon you, the land. To eight? Are you sure? It says, give portions to seven, yes, to eight. Okay, yes, okay. A strange wording, but yeah, I, I think you could choose seven or eight. Um, and so the principle there is one we've talked about a lot, diversification, spreading your money out into different ventures, different investments. Um, and that's got to do with risk. So you might be listening to this episode and you're not 25, you're 40. And my little example about the 25 year old seemed depressing to you because you haven't started yet. Um, so you might, you might be in that spot and you have this brilliant idea. Hey, Mark, instead of earning 7% in like in your example, I am going to find a way to earn 12%. And I'm going to catch up and I'm going to beat this compound interest system, even though I didn't start early. There is something called a risk adjusted rate of return. Mm. I'm sorry to bust the bubble of the guys who think that, you know, those dum-dums who invest in stocks uh, just don't understand that you can get twice the return if you invest in real estate. And I'm smart, so I'm going to invest in real estate. Or sure, it, I'm not trying to pick on real estate guys. It could be sure. exactly the opposite. The, those people who think that there's anything worth investing in besides Bitcoin, um, whatever, whatever your sure. thing is, um, there's a risk-adjusted rate of return because we live in a relatively open economy where you can put money in a whole lot of different types of assets. And I'm telling you, there's institutional money out there that is always looking for good returns and they would be delighted to hop on an asset class and deploy billions upon billions of dollars into that asset class if it was just true that that asset class had low risk and higher returns than other things. Of course. So if there's an investment that really does return 10% and another one that really does return 7% and it's a f open market, meaning it's not... There's no nothing shady going on. It's the information's broadly available. Um, I'm telling you, 
the 10%, you're getting paid more because you are being paid for taking on risk. Yes. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that. So the, the, the rate of return, yes, you might do. And a lot of people get this wrong because they have the experience of, well, somebody told me the S and P 500 was a safe investment. And so I took my $5,000 in January of 2022 and I put it in the S and P 500 and I lost 20% of my money last year. And so they say they were wrong. That was, that was not a safe investment. Um, and you might have somebody else that says, you know what? I, uh, I heard that you can make a lot of money investing in startups. And I took $10,000, which was all my money. And I put it in a startup and I got a million dollars back a few years later. Um, neither of those people had representative experiences. So your results could certainly be all sorts of things on one or two tries, but over the long term, there's yeah. a risk adjusted rate of return. Yeah. Um, the end of that passage that I don't know if you were going to mention the end of that passage, but the one that says, should we send it out in packets of seven? Yes, even an eight. The end of that little section, uh, verse six says, uh, that passage is the, is the, the biblical uh, justification, I guess, of what we now call diversification. Send it out in the and in, in to different places, and then here's the here's the reason why this is what you're making me think of, because verse six says, "Sow your seed in the morning." Seed, by definition, is something that multiplies. There's no such thing as planting a seed and then what comes out of the ground is one seed. That doesn't happen. What comes out of the ground is a ton of seeds. So, sow your seed. And it says, at, at evening, let your hands not be idle because you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. You don't know. There's no such thing as a sure thing for sure. I Ask me how I know. <laughs> Having put my money in a few sure things over the years that didn't pan out. Um, the Bible says you don't know which will succeed. That's why you don't put all your eggs in one basket. We're supposed to do this kind of diversifying thing. We're supposed to be wise and shrewd. And in the end, we want them to multiply and we expect them to. Um, and we're supposed to have the, the courage to go, I don't have to take do the riskiest thing in the world, but I have to understand that I am assuming some risk when I do that. Yeah. It's safer than put, I mean, it's less safe, if you will, than putting your money under the mattress. But we know that you cannot please the Lord by putting your money under the mattress. Right. And it's funny, without revealing your personal details, I bet if I wrote down all the things that Stephen Manuel has invested in, just here's here's what he, he was investing in. And I told you before you did any of this, pick the the one that you think would be the least likely to succeed and make you tons of money. That was the one that probably made you the most money of the whole bunch. Sure. Um, so, just kind of proves your point. But so there's the rate of return component to risk. There's also variance, and we've talked about this a lot. It's not the same uh, as like uh, this is this is the S and P 500 example. You know, it's pretty safe over long periods of time, but extremely risky in short periods of time. So this is something that you really need to know over the long haul. Um, it might be safe, but am I at risk of what's called a really big drawdown in my investment? A lot of people get bit in the rear end with stock investing because they think I've been making a lot of money my whole life in the stock market. So why would I stop now that I'm 64? I mean, I am going to retire next year and I'm going to need this money. And then they have a really bad year and it's, oh crud, I've got 20% less money than I had last year. So um, there's that. And then I also talk to people about the experience versus the understanding of risk. So a lot of people tell me, no, Mark, I am. Uh, I understand this investment could lose up to 40% in a year. And you're telling me that over time, it's going to return a 7% average. And so, but, but I understand, like we even sign a document, this could lose up to 40%. Um, and then we have a great year and they're like, this is great. He, you know, this is doing at the very top end of what I thought it could do. And then we have one of those years and maybe you have a 30% down year and you go, 
my experience now I'm experiencing risk and I'm not just understanding it. And really the piece of risk I'm experiencing is that that variance. And you thought you were totally cool with it, but then when you saw the number that you lost, you went, suddenly I'm not at all cool with it. So before you make any investments with money, you need to really think through and even get counseling uh, from people who have kind of walked this path to know um, what is what is the risk in the investment I'm considering. Um, and that can be totally different for all these different asset classes, but they all have risk, whether you're buying real mm-hmm. estate, um, even investing in a money market account has some risk. Sure. Um, and then what is my risk tolerance, which is about that experience versus understanding? What is my you know, how am I going to respond if I have a downside variance event where I'm like, wow, we're really having one of the, that, that one in 20 years that you said is going to be really bad. We, I just had it. Is that going to make me take all my money out of the investment, probably at a huge loss and put it somewhere else? Cause that's, that's worst case scenario for compound interest is that in one of those down years you bail. Um, And then the last thing is, what's my risk capacity? So some people would say, you know, I am 100% sure that I have taken a big punch in the face financially before. I know how to stay the course and weather it. um, And I understand the risk of the investment I'm getting in. So I have a high risk tolerance and I have a, a good understanding of the risk of the investment. But what they don't say is I'm also 65 and I'm no longer earning any money. And if this takes a 40% dive, I won't be able to buy groceries by the time I'm 80. Well, they might have a very high risk tolerance, but their risk capacity is not very high, meaning it would be imprudent for them to invest in something that could take a big dive um, because they don't have enough time to ride out the, the variance that we talked about. So those are all three things that you need to consider when it comes to risk as you're kind of deciding how am I going to uh, multiply faithfully wealth. Um, because if you get some of those wrong, or even you get one wrong, some people get all three of them wrong. Um, it doesn't matter how well-intentioned you are. You can end up, uh, unnecessarily not having your wealth multiply in the way that we described kind of at the opening of the episode. You, you brought up some points that create some, I hope create some concern for people. Oh, I'm kind of investing my money kind of ad hoc uh i'm using betterment or or some i'm using some robo advisor i'm kind of trying to do what seems right to me but i don't know the answers to those questions i i don't know what i don't know what kind of risk i'm exposing myself to in these investments i don't know what my i don't know what my risk tolerance is exactly so i know that a I know that a good financial advisor would would lay that out for you and tell you, okay, here's here's what you can tolerate, here's what these funds do, and we're going to put you in a scenario that fits that. If somebody doesn't have a financial advisor, how how can they get to the bottom of what those what those answers are? Yeah, there's there's all these risk assessment tools, and frankly, uh, I use them because they can be valuable as a starting point. But understanding your own risk tolerance and capacity and things like that is more than just taking an online quiz, which is what most all financial advisors do as a starting point anyways, is, is ask you a bunch of questions. Um, you, could, you could go Google risk tolerance and take a few quizzes and see where you come out. It would be an interesting starting point for the conversation. But some of it is really thinking through, okay, Maybe my risk tolerance is high as a personality trait, but I need to think about some parts of my money where my risk capacity isn't because I'm really hoping to to send my kids to college and I want to pay for half of it. And I know that I shouldn't be putting that money into a really volatile investment. Well, that might need to be a different bucket of, of money for you than money that you're saving for 35 years from now when you're going to be paying for groceries and retirement. So... Um, some of it, I honestly think that if you're listening to this, you can just think through those things on your own. You might want to find a financial advisor that you trust. That's fine and good. Um, and you might, you might not want to do either of those things. Uh, in which case I would say, um, it's worth just 
spending some time going through what does the timeline look like for my investments? Do I really understand the risk involved? Have I invested in things because people promised me a high rate of return and and a low risk? If that's the case, maybe I should go revisit those and just say, <laughs> I don't want to invest in things I don't understand. So wherever you got those ideas, maybe just make sure you understand those things. Um, there, there's a lot of, of takeaways from what we've talked about here. Um, and, and I really don't think that you have to, to be working with a professional to, to understand, am I a high risk tolerance or low risk tolerance person? And is my capacity, meaning how it would affect my ability to carry out the assignments I've got from the Lord, both in the near term and the long term, if I experience downside of one of those risky, uh, investments I've made. That's great. Uh, before we leave this this uh, episode, I, I really want to uh, throw one one idea out here at the end because we believe in the skill of multiplication. But you know, going through your scenarios about compounding interest, hundred dollars here, and you end up with eight hundred thousand dollars. We we you can't talk about multiplication without um, admitting that if you do multiplication, you end up with a bunch more. And so uh, if you haven't been listening to us for very long, we haven't really touched on this topic in, in a few months. And it's that we, we actually believe in a concept, a biblical concept called prosperity. The idea of your money multiplying to the point at some point in your life, you become a money manager because there's so much money, I just have to manage this money. I have to make decisions about what happens to it. We actually believe in that. We, we think that that's maybe not, maybe not even in your generation, but it's supposed to happen over the story of a family, this, this thing. And I just wanted to put a little button here and, and, and say when, when we're talking about sowing seed and we're talking about multiplication, I, I, my mind went to Matthew 13, the, the parable of the sower, and it says that he throws out seed and, and the good soil is when God's word comes into your heart and it says it produces a return. Again, let's think of what we started, that God loves multiplication. How much of a return? It says it produces a harvest 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. Okay, so God loves multiplication. He's in that business. And what if it happens to you? Well, guess what? You're going to be prosperous. There are Psalms, there are Proverbs that talk about somebody being prosperous. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 1. It says, uh, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That, that, that doesn't mean the laws in Leviticus. It means the Torah of God. He meditates on God's Torah day and night. It says, everything he does will prosper. So this prosperity thing, you better get your head around it. If you came from the background I did, where you think less is more and, and being poor is more holy than having uh, any extra money and that giving it all away is much more righteous than actually keeping money in your family and being a wise steward of that money because prosperity is part of the story. When Joseph went to Egypt, it says that he prospered. And we could walk through the five capitals and go, he expanded. Every, everything turned into wealth around him. And I'll tell you this, this is a, little, this is a memory verse that little girls, my little girls know, and that everybody should know from childhood onward. God has plans for you, Mark, and they're plans to do what? Prosper. Prosper you. That means more. That just means more, that you should have more spiritual insight. You should have more great relationships. You should have more wisdom, more knowledge. You should grow in more physical capacity and you should have more. Yes, I'm sorry. I mean, you can throw your stones here. You can email us if you want to call us charlatans, but we're reading the Bible here. More money. That, that would be part of the story. So we got to get our head around that or else we're not going to walk down these biblical pathways. And we've, if, you don't, if, the, if you're new to us and you don't believe me, then please go to abrahamswallet.com 
and search luxury and see what we think about luxury and soaking money in on yourself. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about the American dream. We're talking about multiplying for the kingdom. So I have to tack that on to the end because we can't talk about multiplying without talking about the, the results of multiplying. We're going to be talking about those as we move forward in the critical skills of money. So I just got to throw that yeah. out. Prosperity no. is part of the deal. That's right. And so I want you guys to become multipliers. We at the Parrot household this week, we had a, uh, a family ice cream Sunday party because my nine-year-old passed off all of her multiplication tables. So it's really just a multiplication themed week. Uh, actually, Steve, we had to pull her out of class where she was going to have this ice cream sundae and they got a new topping for every every multiplication table that they memorized up to their 12s. And she had worked, she's not, math is not her favorite subject. She worked really uh-huh. hard to get there. And then we found out the day before we had a, an appointment that we had to attend with her during the ice cream Sunday party. So let me just say we made the best ice cream Sundays that little girl has ever had to I'm celebrate so pleased. her multiplication. And I don't know that I can throw a multiplication Sunday party for each listener. Oh, that, wouldn't that be wonderful? It would be wonderful. So go out there, multiply wealth, uh, sink that deep down into your heart and be, be like the king. Excellent. Well, the music tells me, Mark, that, that this episode is coming to a close. And why don't you just tell us what's next so that people can be looking forward. Yeah, so next time we continue the Critical Skills series, we're going to learn about leverage. Excellent. Uh, which, I mean, I'm not going to give too much away, but we might talk a little bit about debt and how to use it, how to avoid the pitfalls. So tune in for that one. Fantastic. Thank yous to you, Mark. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, if you liked this content, be sure to like it and subscribe and share it with somebody. And remember, no matter how you're doing and leading your family, God's love for you is huge and his grace is...